Wait, do it one more time, because I might need to use that, like, in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Troubadours on Trek with your host, Grace Pettis. Wow. I really should have just hired you to do, like, my intro thing. Always available to work for a hot plate of food or cold plate of food. (laughs) Uh, Cold drink, warm drink, I'm available. Yeah, beverages of any temperature. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You don't have to be a Yeti cooler in my book. Welcome to Troubadours on Trek. This is your captain speaking, Grace Pettis. I'm a big star. Trek fan. I'm also a working musician and a songwriter. I review episodes of Star Trek with other musicians and music industry professionals. We share an episode of the greatest science fiction series of all time. And they share their songs and road stories with us. New fandom is created. Our Spotify playlist, like the universe, continues to expand. Guys, guys, we're being hailed. Now don't you worry, baby. Don't you worry, well, let's 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 uh, introduce you to the good people listening on their earbuds. I'm so happy to be there. here. This is this is neat. Great setup, man. I'm so happy to have you. This is uh, y'all joining me today is MC Patrick Papa Reigns. That Papa's in quotation marks. P A P A P A P A. Not to be confused with Big Papa, of sure, course. Of, right. There's only one. You know, yeah. bad boy, fame and fortune. He was P O P P A. Yes. Yeah. So P A P A. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, Papa Reigns here is one of Nashville's top live music promoters and staffing agents, but you do a lot of things. You wear a lot of hats. Uh, songwriter, comedian, uh, MC, rapper, actor, um, and I guess your first credited role acting was like, not your first role, but your first like... Well, first uh, speaking role. Speaking role. Yeah, okay. I worked my way out of the, the uh, background talent pool uh-huh. and uh, got to work with the Chrisley family uh, last year, and they're all around Nashville. And, That's cool. Uh, you know, reality TV is funny, and you just kind of <laughs> never know what's going to happen. And so I, I love doing background work because, you know, when you're doing film stuff, it's teamwork in motion. And, you know, when you do background work, you then watch episodes of TV, and you watch, start watching background actors. And go, look how good they did their nonverbals, and, uh, you know, they weren't extra exaggeratory. I mean, they just fit right in, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's funny when you get on set, you realize how big of a team it takes to make – uh, a production really of any kind and how many yeah. hands are on deck from craft yeah. services to lights to wardrobe to makeup to you know acting and right. it's kind of cool the actors get their own trailer and just go uh come on in but when you're background you're part of the team and i got lucky because they pulled me in and uh, nanny faye has been my favorite character on this on the show because she's just that lovable southern grandmother and she loves to gamble and maybe have a drink and steal a Corvette and, you know, get in a little trouble. And that drives Todd and, and Chase crazy. And so on the, uh, the show, uh, Chase and Todd were going to sell uh, uh, her trinkets. And I was lucky enough to come in. They go, we'll try to bamboozle him. Oh, and uh, I got to tell her that these trinkets were, in fact, uh, not from Dutch royalty. They were made in China. Which was kind of current twenty twenty. Was that your that was your role was to like <laughs> yeah. to be the guy that was like that's right yeah I think do you do you actually have any expertise with like with, you know? no I don't and that's why when, when <laughs> I mean it wasn't just about being on TV and having a few lines friends were going you actually really you know uh, your stuff man. acted that well because I was holding uh, <laughs> she was trying to tell me this frog was um, belonged to Morgan Freeman. And, <laughs> Which, you know, somebody likes voiceovers was kind of appropriate. You know, so that's funny. They pulled Morgan Freeman out. You know, he's the king of it all, of voiceovers and sure. his career and, and his background. So I thought that was neat. And then she pulled out <laughs> another one trying to say this was, you know, from France. And then I, I, 
the they gave me one cue the whole day, which was when you flip the cup over, say made in China, which yeah, he yeah, actually yeah. did. That's awesome. And so my my big line, my big punchline of the whole episode was, "No, Danny Faye, this says made in China." It's amazing. Which was coming off of Wuhan I love how just like unabashedly <laughs> scripted all of that yeah. is. Like, well, like it's it like is, not it, even yeah. remotely real. They <laughs> like, set it up anyway. really good, but they kind of let. They know where they're going with it, but it was fun from getting the call up from background, uh, you know, a featured extra. Oh, yeah, dude. That. No, that's awesome. And because they mic you up, but they don't really say action. I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of do their mm-hmm. thing and they're they're collecting all the cues you're given. I mean, me and Nanny Faye were talking about taking a trip down to Tunica and she likes to play blackjack and stuff. I mean, we're talking about, you know, in the dealer bust and all this stuff. Well, I, you forget that they're recording. But they're them. actually micing. And then yeah. she'd go, come over here and look at these. And I think that we're just hanging out, you yeah. know, but really it's going. And, and they're recording. On. So and some it, of it is kind of. So it really is in reality. Yeah, but of right. course, you know, any of these reality shows, they're, they're trying to run a script on it a little bit. So, sure, sure. So that, that was sense. cool to get a call up on that. But, you know, it's I, very cool. You know, I have desires and passions to, to be seen, you know. But well, you do script time, writing too, right? Mm. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. Script writing is interesting because you have to set so much up. What does the room look like? What you know, colors are the on costumes? I bet all of this was really <laughs> like helpful when you were watching this episode because you're like you're, you're approaching it like because most people that come on this like they're just musicians, you know, and so they don't really think about like all the different jobs that go into making Absolutely. something. Absolutely, you know, I was yeah. thinking about that a lot, and we were talking about uh, while we were watching it. Um, yeah, because we, we watched the episode together, actually, which a lot of the guests, we don't do that, but we just ended up watching it together right before this that was um, interview. No, I'm glad. Yeah. It's been a fun day. And uh, I'm glad to know that like the evolution period was so much more uh, than just some of the politics of the time. Or you know, I really found out what Star Trek meant to a lot of people and the metaphors that they used. And I enjoyed that part a lot. It's like Beatles music back in the day. They had to yeah. talk in metaphors. And uh Instead of just scrolling the channel for a sports center or, uh, you know, some behind the music, I might give Star Trek a little yeah, more man. due respect to yeah, so converting dude. people here, I'm Grace. That's so awesome. I, list, I live for that. That is that is why I do this. And, so. uh, and the t- was it? it was an Armageddon title in our episode. Yeah, Taste of Armageddon. Which I'm pro-Armageddon, by the way. Like like the end I'm of the world, you're in favor of that. Uh, like you know, you're in favor world. of everything just going up in flames. It seems like well, a good idea. That, you know those movies <laughs> where they set it up real good and the rocks come in. You know, I'm, I'm in favor of that it. movie. I'm again. That was a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Old Ben Affleck, yeah. Steven Tyler coming in. Don't close my eyes. I wanted to sing it, but I'm glad you did you're the professional singer. That's don't so accomplished. I'd still miss you, baby, baby and I don't, don't want to miss a thing. And they get the rocket ship; it's getting all hot. Oh, somebody called Tom Hanks in Apollo 13. Bailed yeah, me out of this situation. No, but I mean, really, like, not. I mean. There's a rock coming. There's something sexy about it. Are you going to go buy toilet paper? What's going to happen? You got sure. 24 hours to live. And they keep talking about these asteroids like almost hitting us. Of course, maybe asteroids took out the dinosaurs. Sure. Are dinosaurs real? I don't know. Could be plywood <laughs> at the Smithsonian. No, let's save our conspiracies for right here. But I'm pro Armageddon. I like the butterflies going. What would you do if that rock was coming? Yeah. You know, you yeah. got some things to think yeah, about. Think about it. Life and death and. You know, civilization. We'll be out of toilet paper, but you yeah. only got a day left to live. So I'm pro Armageddon. I hope that's an okay stance. Well, you know, I, I like that. Uh, I like that idea of like, you know, what do you do if you know the end is coming and you only have so much time? And yeah, and it, it just kind of amplifies everything. Like I think COVID did that in a lot For of ways. Sure. It's like everything has a little more meaning when 
you know, mortality comes into play for sure. So yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get back to you real quick before we dive into the Star Trek stuff. I'm so ready for it. I'm into the Star Trek. I know, right now. dude. I'm let's so get on I'm the excited about it. I'm so excited. About it. But we got to talk about you for a minute. Okay. That's okay, what we're here okay. to do. We're also right. going to do that. Um, so you've been in Nashville, what, 15 years? 15 years. Yeah, I've gotten to watch this city transform multiple times over. I'll meet people all the time and go, I was here six months ago. And I go, it's a different city, isn't it? You yeah. Know? So, I mean, if you haven't been to Nashville in five or 10 years, you will. Uh, it's not a concrete jungle. It's a glass jungle. A lot of new uh, glass buildings have 50-some cranes in the sky at all times. You know, people in Atlanta and Kansas City are going, we need a crane. We need to build some more stuff. <laughs> They're all right here. Yeah, we uh, have them all. You get They're nails in your tire about twice a week. You know, so you're talking about uh, literal growing pains. Uh, yeah. Getting to know your guy at the uh, tire patch uh, joint real good. <laughs> you just, there's just building everywhere and growth everywhere. And yeah. I'm glad that I moved to the city when I did because I was able to lay a foundation, and a network of friends, musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's venues I work with or there's venue owners have been in place for 15 or 20 years. Yeah. COVID. It's neat to have that, that kind of friendship with people and watch it, yeah. watch it grow and, like that. Know, I'm yeah. sure that that's still an, an, an available option for people moving to Nashville. I try to always be accessible to people that move to Nashville and, and give them uh, a crash course and show them the ropes a little bit. Of, you know, I say I used to know every free party. Yeah, you're kind of you're like the welcoming party. Like, yeah, the welcoming mat. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say mat. It's not like they're walking all over you, but you're not the welcome, always. welcoming party. Uh, yeah, it's but, certainly more of a party. Yeah, it's uh, more of a party. You're more of a party, but you do. Yeah, you take you take a lot of young songwriters under your wing. I know that you you yeah. you, you, you uh, book a lot of shows around town. You do a lot of show promotion. I like bringing and the best like out of people. Connect people with with work yeah. and. And a network of people. And it's, and, you yeah. know, in the last several years, it's just it's been fun and liberating versus going. This is the absolute career path, and it has to make this, and you know, you have to connect it. It's just going and go enjoy yourself. Go enjoy the fact that you're helping people, uh, given some unique opportunities that uh, are available because of you know 15 years of being in one place. You know? And and in the case of our our young songwriter <laughs> friend Wes. Sometimes you actually make them like dinner with vegetables <laughs> just oh to God. make sure that they eat some vegetables. Hey, Wes Crit, you're getting a free <laughs> shout out here from Grace Pettis here. A song on uh, Spotify and iTunes called Strawberry Queen. He wrote it so we could have a shot with the former homecoming queen. Mm. Did it work out? Well, you have to ask him. He writes a lot of songs about his conquest. Mm. And you know what he hates the most is when I call him Morgan Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> he like it when I can't help it. It's too good. I wonder if all the conquests think of him as the conquest, like that they're the conquesters and he's the conquest. Conquistador. They're the conquistadors. Out there. Uh, but he's been a great example because, uh, he, you know, you form a, a friendship with uh, the talent and the people that you respect and uh, – I think a lot of them kind of go out and see the other side of Nashville or touring and they kind of realize, oh, wow, Papa does have a genuine interest in my career and my yeah. well-being. And uh, to me, that's the goal and that's surprising. We've seen a lot of people succeed. Some get famous, some uh, go back home, some end up in jail. You know, it's just a lot of different <laughs> it's varieties. It's a circle of life. Uh, but you try your best, put your best foot forward. And, and I enjoy that part, you know, yeah. and that keeps me working, staffing different venues and uh, when I started, you know, it was all about bringing people together and then nobody else would introduce these. Nobody wanted to brag on themselves, like mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. we're getting to do here now, which is kind of liberating. But uh, <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, well, you've been on The Voice or you've been on American Idol or, you know, your song, uh, you have this beautiful album that's... That uh, MC role of getting to, like yeah, the hype man kind yeah, of getting and, to be the hype and man. I, I guess yeah. I wanted my stage time, but I realized I wasn't probably as talented on six strings or 12 or, uh, you know, even vocally as... 
my friends and what I was seeing every day, but I still wanted a little stage time. Well, it turns out when you introduce four or eight bands, you're on stage about 16 times. Yeah. So it's like right. a people, lot of stage people time. People start remembering your name. Uh, yeah. Which led into a lot of charity work, you know, to being a live voice for uh, Team Big 98 for a little while when we, when mm. we were racing for St. Jude. I tell people they made me run a 5K. I'm probably still running it. I don't know if I crossed the finish line. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Rock to Recovery, that was an interesting uh, charity uh, aspect. Worked with Ashley Evans on a lot of these, who's, who's been a great business partner over the years. She has That's the same cool. mindset I do with Spotlight 615 on helping artists. But Rock to Recovery, which you know, I'm passionate about people getting the help that they need in, in any realm. Come from a family who's gone through recovery aspects. That's a really important thing. It, it really yeah. is, no matter what you're going through. But have to, to whether it's yep. therapy and AA meeting, to, yep. you know, sometimes getting some unbiased love is is kind of what we all need. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this isn't sponsored by BetterHelp, by the way. No free shout outs to BetterHelp. But you know, whatever you got to do. We don't do. actually know if that service is good or not. We <laughs> yeah. cannot recommend it. We haven't used it yet. We have never used it. Uh-huh. Unless they want to sponsor me, in which case they're great. But no, they haven't reached out. I don't have any sponsors. I just do this because I want to. Absolutely, absolutely. I make no money on it. It in no well, way. Call William Shatner. Let's get some Expedia <laughs> commercials on here. I mean, he's I, probably about I, the. I, I do not want to call William Shatner. <laughs> I'll call him. Is he the only one left from 1967? No, there's Takei. George oh, Takei. Right. George. Now, if George Takei wanted to come on my show, I think I would. I mean, who am I kidding? If if anybody of them wanted to come, I'd be I'd be over the moon. But especially Takei. Can I we get Michelle on? She just passed away. Are you serious? And she's my hero. I was Looking really like sad. Halle Berry and you know what? There in the Enterprise. I never, oh. I never got to see her live or anything. And I'm, I had a chance to, and I didn't get to. And I'm just like, I'm really broken up about it. Actually, she's, she's well, like a huge personal hero of mine. I like icons, and I like people that put their foot forward to make a difference in this world. She, she used her platform. Like, oh, she like changed NASA. She, I mean, it was only like white men before her, and then. Because of her, there's like a bunch of people of color. There's like women in NASA. She she enlisted, like she helped, um, you know, inspire and get a bunch of people to sign up that never would have signed up. Yeah, generation truly. I mean, and she just changed the culture just with that role on TV. But like, and we were talking about this earlier. But she's, you know, and I've said this a few times on the podcast. But um, Star Trek was the only show that MLK let his kids watch. Really? Yeah. Um, because you know. There was a a black woman officer on the bridge of a starship. On the Enterprise. Yeah. I mean, and at the time, you got to think, like, just women in general, there's, like, a couple jobs you could have, right? You could be a teacher or a nurse or a secretary. And that's right. kind of it. And you were going to make half of what men made. And you were going to quit Working the second. Working to five. I mean, Dolly, how you doing? Like, it, it wasn't until, you know... I don't know. Like, I mean, at this time, when... It's kind of amazing to think about Star Trek, like, Lucille Ball... Um, yeah. And Desi Lu, like she is kind of the reason Star Trek exists. She owned a major um, TV studio at a time when women couldn't like open bank accounts without a husband. Oh wow! You know, like now you think about that opposite. for a second. It's just like, I mean, just the amount of change. So to have like a black woman, yeah, not just not just like you know an nope. ensign or something, but she's like a lieutenant. Yeah, well, it's it, her role's a little bit secretarial in nature, but no, yeah. I mean, she turns around and goes to Spock and go, "Hey, she here's is, here's it, what we're gonna do," and they're going, "Yeah, thank you." It's kind of both. Like the fact that it is kind of a secretary role would have made it more familiar to people at and the I time, think that's what it is, yeah. where they could be like, "Okay, I can see that. I can make that link." But then, but then she's not just unlike a lot of the other female characters on Star Trek who are like ensigns or yeoman so they're kind of like bottom of the rank right you know what i mean she's like an officer so she's like of equal like she's up there in the military command chain with like some of the other 
men who are on the bridge, you know, right. who are not black. Which they, um, there's different uh, color, I call them jerseys or costumes, but she's in Uniform. red. She's in uniforms. red, yeah. Uh, and that describes a different sector. It's a different job, yeah. Different job. Different right. jobs. So she's the communication officer. Okay. And then, um, then you got that baby blue that's boxing. So that's a science officer. So he's a science officer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, my man Billy Shatner's in gold. That's command gold. Ooh, I like that command gold. <laughs> I yeah. can see how that's the like the king trinket. Where yeah. it's like when you yeah. see somebody in that outfit or yeah. the gold's what you want. You know? And then there's like you know the the braids on the sleeve like signify different things. Okay. It's like it's kind of like the like navy. A it's like based when you on get the different navy. Stars on you know, you know <laughs> or Betty that. Lou's gonna take really good care of you because she's got four stars on her. <laughs> I was thinking like, more like the military, but sure, like Cracker well, Barrel. Cracker Barrel <laughs> survived cancel culture, so they might as well be a military. I'm sure. You've never had a pancake that can feed an army, okay? I'm pro Cracker Barrel, too. I'm pro Armageddon, pro Cracker Barrel. I like Cracker Barrel. When I first started touring, you could rent um, audiobooks at Cracker Barrel, and then right. and then you could return them. And they did this for you truckers. You could return them to Cracker Barrel? Oh, yes, at any, at any other cr- Cracker Barrel. So for the truckers who were, like, doing long hauls, they would always, like, park at the Cracker Barrel, have right. lunch, and, like, it was like a library. Get you could an rent, audiobook? Rent an audiobook. It's like a bunch of cassette tapes or CDs or okay. whatever. Okay. And then you'd go to another Cracker Barrel, and you could return it. So, like, I could start my trip in Texas, like, drive to, like, D.C., and like return the book in DC and then drive and back. Get is another it, is, one is it for a the rental drive back. Or are they reselling it? No, it's a rental. So you rent. Oh, so you they rent had it. like kind of a baby blockbuster operation. Yeah, exactly. Going on. Yeah, but for truckers, people helping people. Out it was amazing, it. and yeah, and they also like the food was like relatively inexpensive. You could get a real meal. Well, so like I mean, I'm pro Cracker Barrel. Yeah, on the road, it was Cracker Barrel. But yeah. you know, I like to have my little green beans or mashed potatoes. Yeah. You know, you can't live off. I'm all about it. So you go into all the weird hokey toys in the gift shop, and like you know, I've been getting my uh, my sweet tea half cut. You know, so I'm making some changes. Well, now they have like tea. they have like the Cracker Barrel Healthy Choices menu healthy, now, yeah, but they never used to have that back in the day. Like right. the Chicken, choice, no the dumbbell. choice to go to Cracker Barrel was not a healthy choice, but now yeah. you, now you have options. You got options, which is good. <laughs> they also are serving mimosas now for breakfast. What? And, uh, cold beer. I no did liquor. not know that. So once again, uh, Cracker Barrel, if you're listening to Grace Pettis talk about Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a sponsorship I could get behind. I could get behind you? a Cracker Barrel sponsor. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a barrel of crackers, but like, who are we kidding? Well, I'm that's a what they're worried about, Grace. The cancel culture. What, what I mean, you just said about there's a it lot is of a barrel of barrel cra- and, it's, it's all in the name pad. Yeah. I didn't come up with that name. They did. That's right. That's it, on them. You need a little salt and pepper on the, on the food. <laughs> And the game that they play on the with the triangle and the pegs, that's a little bit trekky. I mean, you got to have that's a little science brain to figure that thing out. I think my that's best true. Was, I'm terrible at that game. I think I had got three pegs. I've never been able to they do were those. Like, you know, each corner of the triangle. I was real yeah. pumped about it. Yeah. Oh, pancakes are here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So um, that's good. I don't know how we uh, translated uh, Trek Life into Cracker Barrel, but I'm glad we did. I don't know, but like some I'm all about it. With. You know, there's some like in the Venn diagram of things that we both. Can appreciate. I think we're we're like adding to the middle of that circle right so now. So the um, we got Cracker Barrel, we got Star Trek, we got I know, you know a diagram. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the pros music. and cons list of our new friendship. Uh, yeah, here we both like. What Cracker goes Barrel? in the middle of the Venn diagram of our friendship? I'm <laughs> gonna <laughs> be watching uh, Trek uh, YouTube episodes on my phone, waiting on my Cracker Barrel. There you go. But uh, that's a good time. Talk about the cinematography and stuff. I'm, I love locations when I'm watching something. Talking about liking background extras and, and have, you've done you've done process. location supervising. I, I enjoy that piece because when I'm mm. watching and I'm thinking about it, and when we're uh, watching 
the episode, I'm going, it's so crazy that in, in three or four rooms or sets that they use, they literally make you feel like you're in outer space. Yeah, it's wild. And to have that, I mean, so six. I, I love that you said that because, like, people don't really think about the fact that, like, with the CGI and all this stuff, like, right. it's you can be so lazy And I've always now. felt that way. I go, I don't, even when I was going, I don't want to watch the space show. I'm going, but they're in space. I mean, yeah, I was it's never like, going... It's amazing they're in a studio. Yeah, they got like like two or three sets. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And they do so many things to like just give you a sense of that, like the view screens and like that when in the the turbo lifts, like when they go up and down, you see all the floors going past. Right, right. So it just looks like you're going up a hundred floors or whatever. Or like you know, just the hallways and the corridors that look like they go on forever. Like the ceilings are all angled, so they look like half of the episodes in that hallway, and you're going like. And it's yeah. the same hallway, but you, but you see when you see it like from different angles, and they're going to different. Then it makes you think, oh, there's like a hundred of these hallways. Oh yeah, you know? which is just uh, yeah. It, so it's stuff like that that's just so cool. I like that the psychology of that and locations and kind of the you know when you think about a good storyline, whether it be a song or a script or anything, and there's kind of that minimalism. You know, we're so over exaggerated now with billion dollar movies and yeah, all you really had to tell a story. And, you know, like you, you had yeah. to tell a story. You couldn't rely on like. And that's the thing, too, is, like, when you talk about a science fiction show, people, I feel like, they, when they when you hear about Star Trek, they they just assume that it's going to be, you know, and there is a lot of this. There's a lot of, like, shirtless William Shatner fighting aliens, you know Here's what I mean? devil, that young I mean, William Shatner. And he's looking good. And there's that. And there's stuff. There's shit that blows up. You know, you come for that. But also, like, it's just really good storytelling. And they had to, they kind of had to tell good stories because yeah. they didn't have, you know, the ability to, like, use all these special effects, they had to kind of like, um, you know, they had to get you invested in characters. They had to get you invested in like ideas and philosophy and con big concepts, you know? Well, it was so interesting watching him speak in metaphor. Yeah. Just talk about how some of my favorite, well, I started liking songs and things where I could understand where, Oh, this is a metaphor to something else, whether it be life, love, sex, friendship. I mean, anything yeah. was in kind of a metaphor and different music that I grew up, stuff our generation grew up, stuff that uh, early hip-hop did, mm-hmm. you know, and now you can say whatever you want, which kind of takes a little bit of the flare away, but we're kind of going, this correlation in 1967 of things he's talking about, got to be about the Vietnam War, right, I mean, right, got to right. be about the proxy exactly. war. Exactly. Uh, there's there's the surface level story that's like, just like, oh, they're going to this alien planet, and, and then there's right. the story beneath the story, which is all the context and all the social topical stuff that you can't really talk about overtly on TV at the time. Was it an FCC thing or it was more just like the feel if you gotta you gotta think about um you know the American public at the time was very much behind its government, very much behind its military, yep. and especially during wartime it was very important to be patriotic. And think about like so two nice. decades earlier we were coming out of World War II, we defeated Hitler, we defeated the Nazis, like there was a lot of pride yeah. In the American like There's military the iconic government, the kiss picture where you know he, yeah yeah, yeah he, exactly the soldier and the or the sailor and the yeah, yeah. That's it. and that's, a statue that 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 was kind of like you know so then when you had stuff like the Kent State thing happen oh, you know God. and the public was behind the military Shout like out they Crosby, literally Stills, Nash and Young not Crosby Stills Nash and Rogan Missy Neil Young Mama it, loved you there you go <laughs> um, but yeah like like they basically opened fire into a crowd. Of, you know, children, innocent, like innocent, yeah, like protesters, yeah. unarmed protesters yeah. and college, college kids. Yeah. And like most of the American public was behind the people holding the guns. Sure. And that just gives you an idea of how important that that kind of like we stand behind our military sentiment was at the time. It just was 
And and right, I mean, you you can sure. kind of understand it. It's like I love both sides of it. I love but, the disruptors, but I also love. I mean, I, I get it. You know, I love my country. I lo- I love my country. Yeah. I support the troops. You know, my brother's in the army. Like I I appreciate that sentiment. But also, it's thank like you, thank you for his service. We yeah, need. absolutely. But also at the same time, you know, if you live in a country where you can't protest the decisions that your government is oh, making about right. about sending sending our troops to war, yeah. then guess what? You don't really live in a free country. Right. And like all those freedoms that are being fought for, they don't really exist. If you can't go out and protest without being murdered, then you don't live in a free country. And so I think that that's, you know, that's where I come down on it. And and what Star Trek was able to do is get around yes, it all of that yeah. controversy and all of that tense feeling that was in the country and actually kind of talk about things like war, like you said, proxy wars and like, you know, meaningless death. And like, what is it all for? They can ask all these questions in a war. What is it good for? This is the stuff that art and music. Absolutely nothing. This is the thing that like music can do. Oh yeah. That, that television can do, that art can do, that sometimes nobody that else can do. supposed to do. That nobody else can do. That it you has know? a responsibility to do. That it sometimes has a responsibility to do. Which I think was my whole takeaway from, you know, having a little bit of, of guidance on the episode and, you know, going, it's 50 minutes. I mean, I must have gone over Star Trek a hundred times, but to have a little bit of uh, uh, going, hey, this is, think about this before you watch it, you know, and mm-hmm. then I'm going, okay, all you had to do was set it up. I'm into it. I can understand that it's something a very long time ago, but how <laughs> relevant is it to what we're dealing with now? Oh, God, yeah. Another situation. I mean, we're we're in another Cold War, or almost, you know. Call Sputnik. Call Tom Hanks. Give me Apollo 13. Shatner, get in, baby. Speedy, you got a hotel on Mars. We got Putin over there, you know what I mean? Like, we need a show on TV Now, do you think his KGB is a little bit swifter than those boys over there on that planet? uh, And planet... Uh, what was the planet? It was like they had in, little condom hats. Oh, wait, on. I wrote it down. The condom hats. Oh, yeah. Condiments. Putin's KGB is a little more. Uh, a little more intense. I don't. I don't know, man. Ukraine's giving them a run for their money. Hell yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in mini R, in mini R, in mini R seven. Yeah, so had these two guys in a mini R had little condom hats on and orange pants. Yeah. They're very protected. <laughs> yeah, right. And they, like, geno-chop them in the neck. <laughs> and they all do a flop, which is now a technical foul in NCAA basketball. It can't flop. And they fake geno-chopped him. He fell over and Amazing. took his uh, box-cutter stun gun <laughs> type of deal and, you know, called Nichelle and Scotty and told yeah. him that they ain't getting in the disintegration machine. That's that was right. scary when he said that. He goes, you have 24 hours to report to the disintegration machine. Yeah. Because they're fighting a clean war. It's pretty wild, isn't it? Like, I mean, do you think think that that's plausible? Did you buy that that could, like, actually happen, that there could be a culture where people would do that? I think it's plausible every day when you have to report to a jail sentence, whether somebody's done right or wrong. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there's things in, Mm -hmm. in life to where you really have to go. And like you mentioned earlier, what we all went through in 2020... But going, yeah, you 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 now need to think about. You got twenty four hours. What would you do? Uh, right. <laughs> which we should kind of be in you know, the mortality thing that is hip as you get older. Uh, you start thinking about a little bit more of that stuff, and and um, I think that's what we were talking about. My career earlier this is the part that I enjoy of going. You know, how many people can you help along the way? How you know does your advice really mean something versus just saying mm-hmm. something to say something to somebody, you know. Right. And uh but I think there's a lot of uh success in the nature of being genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, our mutual friend Chance Gray has my favorite line about myself where he said, Pat Raines is a bullshitter, but he's not a liar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's not quite a business card. But Honestly, I mean, that's like the most Southern thing I've ever heard. But Isn't it's great it? for the MC. He's a bullshitter, but not a liar. Pat that's like every good Southern storyteller is that. Yeah. That's what they are. Especially in comedy. I mean, you know, yeah. comedy's all about the punchline. Who cares if you have to exaggerate a little that's bit? That's like some Mark Twain type of shit, you know? And he like, said, I got it. And it's helped me. <laughs> what I've tried to tell other people in MC or comedy or acting roles and, and things, you have to develop your character. And it's so liberating once you find that character that you can then go be free in, mm-hmm, you know? So mm-hmm. whether I'm MCing in a strip club or a music venue or ordaining a wedding or, you know, I get to kind of go into character and it takes a lot of nerves away from me where I get Do to you feel like me. it's kind of ironic that like when you're sort of playing a role in a way you're like more yourself? A hundred. I love that part, and I think that's where we all gain comfort because you're so worried about somebody else's expectations or what's somebody going to think about me or da da da. And I get, I love it that my true friends and, and people that love me and respect me know the difference between Patrick and Papa. You yeah, know, I mean they're very similar. You're to like Beyonce and Sasha Fierce. I love it. I love that. Oh my God! <laughs> Stop you. it! I'm blushing. <laughs> I mean, really, but that's yeah. exactly it, right? Yeah. She created the character to go, I'm the baddest Betty on the block. Right. Nobody could ever hurt me. Right, right. Beyonce might get sad at the end of the day, but not Sasha. Not Sasha. I'm going out there and my Sasha six owns it. gold stilettos. Now, you know I named yeah. when I got it. I was lucky enough to get a Sure endorsement uh, with a wireless microphone several that's years ago. That's pretty cool. Because, uh, you know, the <clears throat> Ryan at Sure here in Nashville was, was kind enough to kind of, kind of get it, you know. And I love it when people get what we're doing and what we're about and he said we could have, we had a few more endorsements left this year. We could have given it to an artist and things like that. But there's art in what you're doing, and you Aww. also are the one that introduced 150 bands last That's year. That's so great. So I could give it to one band, or I could give it to the guy that it goes and introduces. Well, and honestly, who, bands. who's the one using the mic the most? Yeah, right, exactly. And <laughs> I, I think that'd be and you. every time I open it. I go, yeah. this is better than I deserve. And guess what? I named it Papa Yance. Oh, so my gosh. That's awesome. That See, with. I nailed it with the Beyonce You did. Thing. 100%. I totally I, got it. And when I turned Papa Yance on and I get out of the case. <laughs> it's and amazing. I said, you know, and I got my wireless mic. It's a, du- it's a uh, dual dynamic KSM8. Uh, a, a great product, by sure. I really do. Uh, I've enjoyed using it. It's held up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I like but I stuff. feel that I can you know you kind of got to do things. I use a, I travel with a Beta eighty seven A. Yeah, and I love it. Works yeah. for you. I like the Sure mics. I can't wait to see some more of your live shows. I just feel like you understand connecting with an audience. Um, you know, I've listened to a lot of your your albums and the way you structure your songs. I'm really big on song structuring because we all grew up on CDs. Of course, our parents grew up on cassettes or vinyls, but that was so important to. Make an album flow. Yeah. You know. And Track listing, man. It's a lost it's art. Huge. Well, look at the uh, Taylor Swift thing on Billboard. Yeah. Where, the was it the first 10 songs all placed on Billboard's top 10? And it's just a pro- uh, product of the streaming culture where we just yeah. went down the order list. We just what, went down the list. And people yeah. go, no, track 14 is better. This 16 is better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. I love Antihero, though. God, that song's so good. I know. It um, is really good. I mean, I. It's a vulnerable thing. When you talk about, you talk about being general, people, genuine yeah. and vulnerable. And you put a beat behind it, people tend to get it. I do really love that because I think, like, it's been fun to, like, I mean, say what you want about her music or whether you connect with it or whatever. But I, I'm just, I've been endlessly fascinated by her. And I feel like she's just never taken seriously enough. Like, every time, and people always regret it, you know, that they didn't take her that much more seriously. Every every album that comes out, you know. 
And I just think like her growth as an artist has been really interesting. If and we compelling. took her more serious, the enterprise would explode. I don't, I don't think so. I honestly don't. I think that like thousand dollar ticket to go see her on stuff. Just because pe- I don't mean that people don't pay money to go see her. I mean that they don't respect her as much as they should. Like that they think of her as being Santa Claus. I don't know. They think of they just don't they don't respect like the fact that she's had to reinvent herself like every year. She's one of the only artists out there that's like had a career that long and that interesting who's like still around. She's made it oh, an we're incredible amount of I mean, money. You know, Arjun, we're, you know, next she really takes years, care of her people. She's like she now. just yeah, but her her early stuff was, you know, Teardrops on my guitar, don't play with me now. Come on. I mean, but then it's like and all the stuff about like the the men that she's dated and all the heartbreaks and stuff. But then I do love that like really lately, I think since like the kind of introspective like you know, Evermore and like the folklore records that she's sort of been turning that, that spotlight around and just like being a little more introspective. And I, you know, we're all tough on her at first cause she really couldn't sing. And a lot of it was manufactured from, you know, kind of the Nashville. And she was also a friggin' teenager. She was a child that <laughs> like, set up for success. But yeah. it was, you know, I don't know, five or 10 years after that, she came down, it was either Bridgestone or arena or one of her tours from the ceiling acrobatics in a bird cage. Yeah. Singing. And at that point, you're just going, you, you won, know, you did it. Yeah. It's like uh, the day I accepted uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Brady, Mark, Mark Wahlberg, you know, all the power men of, of Titan and then Chicago. If I don't like those guys, if I'm going to say I hate Tom Brady and Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm just a hater. Why don't I just go good for those guys? They won the game. They're the most handsome. They're the most successful. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio walks out of a bar with 20 women. And my thing about, about Leonardo DiCaprio is the whole like twenty five thing. Do you know about this? Yes, of course. Like he just breaks up with you. and You hit twenty five well, for your don't birthday. Get older. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out. Get on the Enterprise. Take a ship around with Vladimir and and, and uh, Bobby Woods and Spock. They'll help you out. Vladimir Spock's, or. Uh, was there a lot of Vladimir? There? I don't know. There probably is a Vladimir. There's on that not ship. a Vladimir. They were talking. They talk about. Five Are you talking about Chekhov? Am I talking about Chekhov? <laughs> yeah. The enemy? That <laughs> no. guy creeped me out. No, he wasn't even in this episode. Chekhov is the Russian guy on the on the bridge. I don't know about Chekhers. Who are you talking about Vladimir? Who's Vladimir? It was something with a V. Maybe it was... They put seven... Oh, Vindicar is like the, Vindicar. the bad guy. I was so off. The, that's the bad planet. <laughs> yeah, I know. The okay. bad guys. <laughs> he was creepy. He was talking about the assimilation machine. I just kept like thinking about... No, oh not God. the assimilation. The disintegration. Disintegration machine. Assimilation, assimilation is the be Borg. bringing everybody together. No, no, assimilation is the Borg. You got it right. That's from Next Generation. They're the bad guys who are like the the kind of like robot looking bad guys oh, in, the, is, in the big cube, and they like they like turn everybody into robots. What is it? And somebody was uh, a while back mentioned about uh, I had a goatee going, and that's the the me having a goatee was part of the Trek culture. Yes, because that's a thing. Okay, there's an episode called Mirror Mirror. In the original series where they go into an alternate, um, like, dimension or whatever. Right. And in this alternate universe, in the mirror universe, all of them are evil. And that you can tell they're evil because they have, like, most mustaches and goatees and stuff. So well, That's probably accurate. So, like, <laughs> so what that means is, like, I'm looking at the evil Papa and somewhere in oh, a mirror universe. No. no, somewhere in a mirror universe, there's, like, a really good version of you who's, like... So there's a better version? There's, like, a Mother Teresa Paparines out there in a mirror universe. Oh, man, I saying. thought that was going on in this one. I guess I got to figure well, out... because you have the goatee, so, like, it can't be. And now, so I got to shave. Man. Yeah, that's it. I like it when they talk about guys shaving and, like... <laughs> and how we talk about girls, you know, you wear too much makeup or this, and guys go, we get to grow this beard, and then they shave it, and they're like, 
The girl's going, you should have left that beard because you were now a two and a half. You were an eight and a half with the beard. <laughs> it's it's so weird how like facial hair either makes dudes like look way better or way worse. It's like, and there's no in between. There's no in between really. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just a personal preference. Manscape, if you're out there, we could use your endorsements <laughs> as well. Look, we're out here working for great Troubadours on Trek, sponsored by Manscaping. Sponsored <laughs> by Manscaping, Better Health, Cracker Barrel. Yeah, because, you know, we're going boldly here. That's right. Strange new worlds, manscaping our way through the universe. I love it. Get on the Enterprise. <laughs> Get on my level. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm, you know, it's all about growth and evolution. <laughs> it's all about growth, and then it's about shaving that growth down. <laughs> there it is. Manscaped. Brought to you by Trek Troubadours. Troubadours on Trek. Brought to you by I Manscaped. I love it. The Troubadours thing. Yeah. I mean, you are around all these interesting people, and then you're kind of able to bring them into, like, something you're passionate about and a hobby. Yeah. I think more people need need that because, uh, you know. Yeah. I think it's nice to have something to do that has nothing to do with my career and, like, isn't going to help me in any way that's just fun for me. Because mm-hmm. it makes me feel like I'm a real person. Because otherwise I just spend all my time doing music. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm actually, like, a human who's more than just the music. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a good reminder yeah, of that, no, of I guess. Um, Get a well, goatee and then you can be bad grace. That's, I need to be evil grace. Yeah, I need to be evil, evil grace, grace for Halloween. That would be a great costume. Just show up to your next show kind of, like, in a nice red uh, pantsuit, blazer. The goatee. goatee well, they're all kind of dressed like pirates in that episode. So they have like, you know, like her has like this cool sash, you know, uh-huh. and like a dagger. So, well, let's be real. They're basically <laughs> pirates of the universe. Right. There's not that much difference in Jack Sparrow and Spock. Well, evil Spock. Well, I mean, Spock's out there flying around on the uh, Enterprise, and what is? Uh, I mean, they're not Jack like Sparrow boarding other ships. They're not boarding just... other ships and throwing people in the brig, like throwing people overboard. Well, yeah, they are trying to do good. You know, they're right. out there exploring and being diplomats or whatever. Nichelle's not going to let them do anything too wrong. Yeah, and but evil, evil Nichelle though. Oh, I'd like to meet her. <laughs> yeah, you would. Wait till you see that outfit too. What episode's that? Oh, man. <laughs> mirror, mirror. Oh, you gotta look it up. It's good. So let's let's talk about okay. So we have we have this story, and in the story, um, they're going to this planet. The planet has been um, at war with this other planet for like five hundred years. Five hundred years, but it's so. all simulated by computers. So basically, the computer just goes, "Okay, we've attacked this city, and like these nine hundred people have died." Like a Powerball ticket, they uh-huh. do a drawing to see. It's a drawing, like- and then all those people voluntarily within twenty four hours walk into a disintegration chamber and like are disintegrated, and they do that because. They want to not destroy all the buildings and the culture and, like, fill the world with uh, nuclear radiation and fallout and stuff. So instead, you know, it's like this cleaner, civilized way of fighting. Um, Which was, to me, the metaphor of the draft. Which is, right. It is the draft. That's exactly. And the writer writer of this, like, said. And die in 24 hours. Yeah, he literally said, like, that's what this is about. Yeah, so, so the question is, like, number one, can war actually ever be civilized? Um, which is a, which is a huge debate, you know, that a lot of people talk about. It's like, you know, we have these rules of war, right? You can do this, but you can't do that. Supposedly. Yeah. But is war ever really civilized? Um, is a civilized approach better than a more kind of brutal, just like in your face approach? Cause that's the sort of the takeaway of the episode is like, Kirk is like, no, look, you need to see all this gore and destruction and death. What did Billy Shatner because say? I'm a barbarian. He's, I'm a barbarian. Cause like, if you don't see it. Then you're not scared enough of it and you're not horrified enough by it. So like 
is a civilized approach better or is it better to like actually see what happens when we start wars? Is it better for people to understand and have to be face to face with those horrors so that we're more careful about like not starting wars? So which makes you think about the fact that like the Vietnam War, for example, you know, was like barely televised. You know, they didn't have like journalists really embedded like they do now. And they had, you know, they would they would like broadcast, you know, the number of people that had been killed that day. They had just they started doing that in 1967, the year that this episode came out. So this is like a new thing for people to be. But but this was a war that that was on the other side of the world. Yeah. Right. It only affected like this small number of people. I mean, it was a big number of people. But like you might not know it. You know, it might not be your kid. It might have been the neighbor's kid. I ain't no senator's son. Exactly. So I think a lot of people were sort of like um, protected from like the grim realities of like what our country was doing. But it's interesting because they did provide field reporters during that time. Um, they did, and they, and those people were really brave. But like, oh my gosh. as yeah, we know, I mean, I mean think of, think about Watergate. Like, oh, I'm trying to show you the grim barbarian. But think know. about stuff like Watergate. Think about how hard it was to actually report the truth at that time. Uh, as Leonard Skinner says, Watergate does not bother me. Does your conscience bother you? Tell me <laughs> truth. <laughs> it was very hard to actually report on that war truthfully. At that time, sure. there were a but lot I mean, of consequences well, with those guys out there with bullets flying by their head versus. Uh, was it Geraldo a few years ago who was like in a studio going, oh, yeah, there's things blowing up out here. No, <laughs> you're not. I mean, war reporting. Yeah. You know, so you're talking about do we want to see the grim, the blood? Uh, I don't like This is the question, right? This is the question. Because people's uh, legs blown off. I, that's know, I just, the thing. I'm so here's like, uh-uh. that's, that's the question, right? So, I like watching them board the boat on D-Day, though, and feeling patriotic. Well, because and, you know, then uh, you're, yeah. But this is the thing about it is, like, it's not always patriotic and glorious and, like, about killing Nazis. Sometimes it's about, like, wow, six little, six young boys from my hometown died for no reason for a war that, like, we didn't even really need to be in. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I graduated high school, right, when that was going on, and... and my sweet mother was going, absolutely. I and mean, we thought that a draft really was about to come back into play. And, that and there's your, like... Your mentality was, you better go to work or go to college. And you didn't know. And I don't know if they'll ever bring the draft back. But what a scary thing to... What, is, what a terrifying play thing. Play high school football or sit in a class with somebody. Then a few months later, you're seeing on TV that your friend or acquaintance... Is dead in the jungle. Dead in the jungle because he went to Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Never it's, gets it's, a chance to live past 18, 19 years old, experience the... the, the Love, lust, and triumph of life. I mean, God. My mom had a cousin, you know, who went to Vietnam. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, um, it was just a really weird time. It was a really weird time. I think it depends on what you're fighting for, though, to answer that question. I think it, I think it does. It's kind of a tough space to go. But again, they had a draft. They had a draft. So this was not voluntary, right? It's, it's kind of like these disintegration chambers. Like, yeah, it's voluntary, but there's somebody with a gun behind you. Yeah. You know? So, like, you know, that's a problem. <laughs> I love it. That's so romantic to call that the disintegration chamber when they're kind of going like, <laughs> you know, this is what's going on in 1967. We can't openly talk about it, but here's Spock kind right. of going, right. here's what's going on. And this is what's going on. You just got to barely turn your brain on and you can get it. Yeah. Let it do it, you know. And I've been I, on airplanes, though, where, yeah. the, you know, uh, you'll see one young man come on and, you know, his fatigues. Uh, or, you know, whatever branch he's in, like we're talking about the different branches of the enterprise, and and one person will get something started, they'll start clapping, and the next thing you know, you'll see an entire plane stand up to salute this young man, who's probably just on his way to go to basic training, Mm -hmm. or whatever, he hadn't done anything crazy yet, but there's still that respect and patriotism. It's just, you gotta have both (laughs) 
things and and hold both things in your head, right? Of course. And because it's it's a both and situation. And and on the one hand, you say, look, we got a lot of young people that are like eighteen that don't know what they're signing up for, that don't have a lot of options in life, maybe need money for college, maybe like their family is pushing them into and that's this. That's a great option for some and, people. And for some people, it's a great option. It's also an option that sends you home with addiction and PTSD sometimes and a lot of really heavy stuff that then your country doesn't really take care understand. of you. And I will never and that, and that, that is on part. the one hand. That's yeah. on the no, one I'll hand. Never understand the support and, now, now, now let me say the other hand. I guess they go, you go to a VA But listen, I, it's really important to say the other hand. Right. And the other hand is... We have a lot of young people who are signing up to serve and protect their country, and that is one of the most noble things you Absolutely. can do. And there's a camaraderie. There's there's something very truly inspiring and noble about people in the service. And mm-hmm. so you, you have to say that, too. And and absolutely, like, we have to support our troops. We have to respect those men and women in uniform. Hey. Look, human beings, like, violence is traumatic. Mm-hmm. It just is. Like, it's it's a traumatic thing to have to, like, fight somebody. Imagine. And, you know, in your brain has a hard time processing that. And that that's human. Which And the thing is, you can program somebody to, like, follow orders and, and be a really efficient soldier. But we can't we can't take away that part of ourselves that's like human that is going to react to violence. It's kind of why I like in the, a traumatic way. The machine, know? though, when they're going like this is a cleaner way to fight war. You lost the Powerball. You lost the draft. Your whole your whole city has to show up. Yeah. And uh, of course, my so, first question I mean, is going. The alternative the disruptor going. I'm not getting in that damn machine. <laughs> but part of part of the part of the thing about it is that they just had so accepted that like their culture was always going to be violent and always be at war. That this was just they, like yeah. the cleanest best way to do it. And they had stopped There's actually trying. Solution. They'd stopped actually trying for peace, right. which is like in 500 years you can't pick up the phone every 50 to 100 years and like call the other you side can't and call be the like, other "Hey, man, like, do we still want to keep doing this or like what?" Can Michelle we, can we maybe do something else up in about three days. Exactly. You know, it's on. like, hey, could we maybe like do something else other than? So maybe the answer is like, I thought they had. We just stop frigging going to wars all the time. Because if we didn't do that so much, yeah. like, you know, like, we wouldn't have to figure out whether there needed to be a draft, you I think know? it's important to always fight for what you believe. I mean, unless, unless there's are Nazis. always going to be different. Unless we're talking about Nazis or maybe Putin, you know what I mean? There aren't that many wars that we need to be fighting, is what I'm saying. Most of the time, we don't need to be in a war. Well, this nuclear thing is going to be real interesting. I try to enjoy the freedoms of America and understand how much bloodshed has been done so I can go uh, sit at Olive Garden and order a chicken parmesan and then also have a tiramisu and then drive <laughs> my car home and sit on the couch and watch reruns on Sports Center and maybe write a song about Cracker Barrel or uh, <laughs> Manscaped or but I just, I, about our sponsors Cracker Barrel. But I'm also aware of the absolute barbarianism for me to just uh, go through the Sonic drive through. Hey Sonic, right. how you been? Right. Uh, so to me there's both sides of it. It's both where, sides. What it's if you, both I mean, end. Yeah. You know, I know we're not gonna uh, You're grateful for it and you can but you but you also have to be able to critique it. And I think that, and I think that's really the message here, you know. So there you go. I like that you said nobleman. Yeah, I know you have some uh, Irish uh, ancestry, like the rest <laughs> of us. Did you know Patrick means nobleman, nobleman, nobleman? I didn't know nobleman, that. nobleman, nobleman. And uh, and I'm gonna say Gaelic, but it's probably just in Irish, right? Mm. And uh, Gaelic is in Irish. You could say either. You yeah. Know, so, but you know, it sounds better. You know, Gaelic, like you really dialed into it. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> 
But I think about that, and I try to be noble in my conquest, obviously, in my business, and my friendships, everything. I, I think about that, what my name means, because our names all come from a place. And, you know, I commented on your name when I met you. I go, Grace, wow, that's, you know, I love that, because to me, Grace is such an amazing concept, you know, and it requires some love and some forgiveness and some understanding, and, you know, and I think and it fits you well. Thank you. But to go, like, that. I'm a nobleman, you know, yeah. because I'm... Uh, working on some raps and some background acting and some, you know, hanging in, in Nashville. But I think about somebody like uh, your family member who you mentioned, well, that's noble, whether it was in combat or so I can go sit at Olive Garden and not worry about if I'm going to, the building's going to blow up or if a stray bullet's going to come through or, you know, because people are being trained to protect our freedoms and yeah. what we're going through in America. And, you know, I think back to civics class when they go, you have unalienable rights as a citizen, but you're going to give up certain freedoms. And some of those certain freedoms, and you get a little bit into religion, talk about the Ten Commandments going, thou shall not kill. Okay, well, if I were to do that, I'm going to be sent away. And then, you know, you think about 24 hours to live. Isn't that a chamber right there of going, mm-hmm. your life's going, mm-hmm. you got one more day, you made a mistake. And <clears throat> But they kind of coincide of going, your inalienable rights, your freedoms, uh, you still got to earn them. You still got to do the right thing. And it, it kills me that different people in different cities, even America, man, I'm going to bring up Chicago or, you know, uh, inner urban activity. Cause that's just a totally different life as well. <clears throat> but goodness gracious. I mean, uh, if we all had a little bit, something that was more productive to fight for, wouldn't things be different? You know, whether it was that some soldier coming back with PTSD or that person that doesn't have any, any options, uh, Mm-hmm. And we're kind of stuck there. And I can understand when people's uh, mindsets right now are going, you're sending a whole bunch of money to Ukraine. What if you were to spend a billion dollars to make sure our children could eat and read? Just eat and read. Right? I mean, that, <laughs> and see, this is where this gets like, I mean, because talking about war and whether war is ever justified. I mean, that's, this part is a little personal for me, too, because um, we had a Ukrainian family like living at my mom's house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very cool. And they recently went back to Ukraine. and. <sighs> Um, mom, like, a mom and a daughter, and then there became a big part of our lives, and we we love them, you know. And it's just like we think about we think about Ukraine every day, you know, because we we think yeah. about them, and we think about you know, and so it's it is just kind of I don't know. I and and I think I do what think courage to 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 go back to Ukraine. You go here's well, a warm... yeah. She had Victoria has a, like family there, you know, and yeah. it's like families. Um, but I think that I think that I guess like you know there are some wars like I think about Hitler. Right. If there's ever a real good reason to go to war, it was to defeat Hitler. I can see that. I can understand that. I can wrap my head around it. It's like, yes, we need to get rid of Nazis. You know, it's not always that clear cut. But like with Nazi Germany, that made sense. I kind of am starting to think about Putin along those lines. And I know that like that money could go to other things. And I understand that argument and I appreciate it. Yeah. But I also kind of feel like if we don't stop him. What is he? He just seems like the kind of a man who needs to be stopped. <laughs> like, and I don't know, I don't know what I believe about war. Like, I, I don't he, like, I, I, I don't I like totally violence. I don't like violence. I don't like war. But it's like when, when there's a country that's just like indiscriminately killing a bunch of innocent people like that, it does feel a little more cut and dry to me. Well, when they, in the episode, when they talk about a 500 year war. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who Putin's got behind him for the next five centuries, but if it's that same mentality, 
You don't, if Putin was a vampire, you don't think he would fight a 500-year war? <laughs> he, I think mean, he definitely his, would. Yeah. My, here's my break. Here's my give a damn. You busted it. It's done. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no. And so uh, I like the Cold War approach that we've taken. You know, My friends in the hospitality industry are going, we don't serve Russian standard vodka anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you really exactly. punched him in the gut with the Cold War. Uh, we and this is interesting because this this episode is is all about the Cold War and here we are almost in another one you know and so Pretty it's kind of it's kind of crazy like how how timely some of this stuff it's like th- this is stuff that's from the sixties but like a lot of these themes these are things that we should be talking about today. Well, it's funny because I'm enjoying watching the eighties and nineties and early two thousands come back you know because when you were a kid it was about the seventies. You know, in, in, in the 90s, we wanted to be the 70s. Everybody mm-hmm. had bell bottoms mm-hmm. and things, and things progressed. So now you're, we're watching all this cool 80s, 90s. I was the blues brother, John Belushi, for Halloween nice. this year. And people coming up to me go, oh, you're Men in Black, aren't you? That's a great retro costume. You're Men in Black. <laughs> Which to me, I think Men in Black came out like a couple weeks ago. Right. It was 20 years ago. <laughs> That's wild. So that would have yeah. been a retro costume. Yeah. I mean, you think they knew who the Blues Brothers were? Right. John no. Belushi? Absolutely not. Like, yeah. Belushi's one of my comedic heroes, good, bad, yeah. or ugly. But uh, So it's funny what we... Um, Take so of course like fifty sixty years ago we were doing something that's now current again politically because uh, I think as much as we try to think people are going to change or think mindsets are going to be changed or there's some, there's some ingrained stuff in all of us you know in our DNA I like to talk about people getting their software update I think a lot of us and, and grandparents and other yeah. people have had to get a nice software update um, just being on that path of growth and yeah. You know, and as I'm, as you get new information, you yeah. know you got to update the system. I like that. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and, and be, it's so important. It's so important to do that. You gotta you gotta get all the bugs out. You do, and especially <laughs> do the whole for, software I think, for both update. of us. I mean, obviously, with yeah. your immaculate and, and and poetic and meaningful songwriting, Aww. I tell my friends that are in positions um, uh, to be leaders that it's about respect being respected. You know, and understand that you've worked to get to this. And it feels weird to where, wow, my voice really would matter. Well, why does your voice matter? Because you care about the things we're talking about, the future generations. And, you know, what is why does war have to be the way it is? And what's the uh, stance on uh, the entertainment business and what they're going to do with certain things? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so respect being respected with what you're doing with your songwriting and, you know, this podcast and knowing that, um, you know, we're all trying to help people. And I uh, love our friendship to where you're going, you do the same, Papa, because I need people reminding me that all the time. Yeah, man, you, know? you do. You're out there making a difference. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it, you probably don't even know, like, the amount of difference you've made in a bunch of songwriters' lives, like, helping them, you know? Because, like, because at that, those early stages when you're just starting out and you're just starting to play those gigs and you need that hundred bucks, like, oxygen to just get you oh, to yeah. the next show, like, that, it's so important to have people that support you and book you and, and tell you that you're good and that your songs matter. I mean, that's like, it's such a crucial, like it's a, it's a point. It's a formidable part. It's a point in your career where, where where it matters more than maybe it ever will again, you know? Cause it's like the difference between moving back to Kansas and like, I still feel the same with my creative endeavors, you know, trying to go do 
different open mics or, or, or mixing up and acting a script writing. When somebody kind of gives that compliment out, well, you did a really good job today, and it's not something you're in, a, in an area you're familiar hearing that compliment, it really does keep you going. It keeps you going. And so in the domain that I do work in, I love it that, that my voice matters. Um, I'll tell you a little secret about it because we're talking about TV. There was a TV show uh, several years ago called Entourage. I remember that show. Yeah. There's a character on there, my favorite, Ari Gold. And I learned more watching Ari Gold. Uh, Jeremy Piven was the actor, but his character was Ari Gold, based off of a real agent in uh, Wasn't California. Wasn't there like a spinoff show about him or something? Yeah, he's done a lot of different things. I never actually uh, saw that show, but everybody talked about it. He impacted yeah. a lot of people's lives. But to me, it was always, everybody in Nashville was looking for an Ari Gold to be in the room. Where's mm. Sony Records? Where's Warner Brother? Who's just going to walk into the room? And And quite frankly... They're probably not going to be at one of these showcases at the 162 music venues because those are highly organized and prepared. Is there, are there really 162? Did you just pull that number no, out? No, uh, the is last that the actual take on that was 162, and that doesn't count an awful lot of makeshift stages and, you know, maybe... Wow, 162. Uh, yeah, but you also have places closing every day, too. One opens, mm. one closes. They're about to close the exit in here at the end oh, of the no, year, which is so sad. I used to do some uh, security Did work. Did you see that post that was, like, the exit in billboard, and it said on the on the big board, like, for sale, Nashville the soul, soul. Nashville's yeah. soul? Yeah. It's, it's oh, a, just cut me uh, to the core. I've never totally even actually wrong. been there. But like you've heard, I've heard so much about that place, you know. Of course, but to me, Ari was the guy on the show in the that could make a difference in these people's lives, and of course, he's the big power agent. And you know, I like the agent work that I do. I you know, we run more of a small staffing boutique style agent. But you learn things from Ari's to where there's an episode where Vince was uh, calling him all day, which Vince like barely knew how to use a phone and didn't email, you know, and stuff. So Ari was really freaked out because he had bad news to tell Vince, and he goes. I only answer my clients' phone calls when I, I can replace their bad news with good news. Nice. So he scrambled all day to try to find Vince a job. And by the time he finally goes, hey, Vince, how you been? Hey, bad news is this. The good news, though. And you learn about how much you love a client, how much you care about people versus just taking a phone call and going, "Here, you're scheduled here today. You're right. Going, or, you know, hey, this gig got canceled. However, I've also got some good news for you. But being somebody in the room that could have an impact to where, you know what, Sony might not be here, but Papa Reigns is here. He go. appreciated what just you did. just takes one person that likes your stuff. Well, let's, let's see. If, I want to see if there's anything else we need to say about this. Episode. We haven't really talked a lot about it. Um, I just want to make sure we've said everything. We've intertwined a lot in between talk, our, but just uh, like, sponsorship so, Yeah, I just want to like make sure we touch on all the things. There's like some interesting trivia stuff. Uh-oh. Um, like, for example... Um, this episode includes the first use of the full name United Federation of Planets. I did notice that. Which pre- in every episode before it was like the Federation or you know other thing Federation they put Central United but like it? yeah the United right. Federation of Planets so that's the first time that was used that way. Um there's a, some plot holes in this like where Scotty says like you can't fire um the phasers with the shields up but you can still um use the you know photon torpedoes or whatever those that like particular restriction is not mentioned in like other episodes and there's this chinese place makes the best photon torpedoes i'm gonna take you there sometime a little chili sauce what <laughs> photon torpedoes you know, I know what you're oh. oh you're talking about pho Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's Thai food, dude. Oh, torpedo pho, not photon torpedoes. That's That's, Thai food, not Chinese. (laughs) Oh, Thai food, right. We got there. Great Thai choice. We got there. It took me a minute. Um, 
Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Let's see. What else can we say about this? Did you think it was interesting that they had, like, numbers at the end of their names? Like, Anon 7? Very confusing. Uh, kind of Stranger Things-esque, you know, 11. and Right. I was kind of like, does that... Part of me was like, I think they're doing that because they're trying to imply that, like, there's so many people that just, like, die in this world all the time that you're just, like, one of many people with the same name and you're just I a number. I think of it that way. You're exactly right. I, you know, I talk about... As much as I love New York City, it seems that life is kind of indispensable. You know, if you were dead on the street, no matter who you are, people would be walking over you. And, yeah. Uh, but so then also, but then if it's, but it. if it's only seven or three, that's like not that many people. Like if it was really that, it should be like a non-5,725. Well, you get a number when you're born. You get a social security number when you're born. Yeah, maybe. You get a number when you go to jail. Or maybe every time an Anon is killed. Like your number goes down. Yeah. So maybe you start out being like a non fifty, and then like next year you're a non thirty five because like that many anons have died. Okay, and then we throw some shades of gray in there on the fifty. You think maybe? What? Shades of gray on the fifty? What do you mean? That's a hip hop term, but one of my favorite movies. Fifty Shades of Gray. Christian? No. Christian Bale. Not Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Christian Gray. Fifty oh, Shades 50 of Gray. Shades Come on, Grace. yeah, right, right, right. It's a um, softcore porno. I right, think right, they did three right. of them. Yeah, I great movie. This. I did see the first one. It's okay. It was fine. I haven't seen it seven times or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just learning lots of things about you. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm into All it. All right. I've read the books. That's what I tell people. Cool, man. You know, I'm not here to. The like, book was better, right? I'm not here to throw Fifty Shades of Shades. There's on no it. kink shaming. On no kink shaming Trek on Troubadours on Trek. It's we not, don't. We don't hold with that. We're here for. We're here for each other. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the number thing. I did. I did notice that, and, and you know, sci-fi is interesting because. You know, it's kind of numerical based, and then you kind of start thinking about that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I really got a lot of thinking about all these different things. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, what did you think of this episode as a whole? Did you did you think it was a good one? Did you like it? I thought it was a great one, and you know, obviously, really impressed about talking about 1967. It's gonna be you know 2023, and literally sitting down for 50 minutes, going, "Oh my gosh, how many things are current and similar." Uh, you know, and we were able to talk about the metaphors that were used yeah. um, because you couldn't say certain things on TV. It was the first time people were getting kind of a glimpse of the color TV. Right. You know, which right. you were talking about change the uniforms and, uh, and then it, it was neat. Because yeah. We should, we should explain that. Yeah. We were talking about earlier that the, the uniforms are bright colors like red and gold and, um, and blue because the uh, the networks wanted to show off Technicolor, which was a new technology. Love that Technicolor. Technicolor and color TVs, which were all really new. So, like in the original pilot, everybody was wearing gray, but um, the Star Trek that we all know and love is very vibrant, colorful. And that's so important, yeah. though, because I call it a uniform, you know, because like when you see that with the logo, the blue or the gold, like mm-hmm. you know, you're like that, and, and it's it's a classic, yeah, it's classic, classic piece to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, I I totally. Um, appreciated something that I've probably scanned over a hundred times just that's because, so cool. you know, that's my brain's not necessarily a sci-fi brain, but now I'm going, Oh wow. There's a totally different meaning other than just Spock's got some goofy ears. And yeah, there's kind uh, of a lot to it sometimes. And some episodes are really just 
Spock has goofy ears. Like some of them are really just silly. Yeah. But like a lot of them have a lot and of. And it was fun to, to still poke fun at the goofy stuff too. Yeah. You know, you're kind of going like, you know, look, yeah, they were trying hats. back in there. To, yeah. <laughs> you're like, who's the uh, costume designer of this thing? <laughs> were they was, drunk? <laughs> yeah. You got a leather condom hat over there. And, and the, uh, just like the jump, like the half overall jumpsuit. The karate's terrible. I mean, where was Bruce Lee? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could bring Bruce Lee up for a day and do some spring training. For There's a Billy lot Shatner. you can laugh at for sure. But yeah. not to just go, this is totally comedic. I mean, I'm I try to find the comedy in anything. You know, people talk about Jerry Seinfeld. You can't even go out to dinner with them because he's sitting there going, look at the salt and pepper shakers, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything. Your brain's, your brain's just always So on. that's never going to shut off, but I'm not poking fun as much anymore. No, maybe. I mean, I, I like to do both. I can go like, okay, this part about it's really cool. Also, this is like ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's both. Yeah. And so that was fun to, to kind of get to enjoy it that way, but look for that deeper meaning. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about my dad and my parents during that generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what an evolution that was at the end of the 60s. Oh, and, gosh, yeah. Uh, Between the civil rights movement, sexual revolution, Vietnam War. I mean, just like so much yeah. change in you such know, a short amount of time. The whole American identity and was just And for men upended. and women, you know, the, the, you know, as a man, you're going, you better get ready for the draft unless you're uh, going to college or going to work. Right, and, you know, right. You know, and then, of course, you know, the, uh, talking about being secretaries for women. Wow, we didn't know women could do so much more and were so mm-hmm. valuable to society. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so everybody's... Or being in, a black person in America in the 60s, you know, with MLK and that entire movement and like... You know, it's just a time of a lot of change, a lot of change in this country, you know. And to see them kind of encompass that in a way that made you think in, in the way that I know your troubadours do and the way we do as a, as a songwriter is going like, wow, this is how you get it out while still kind of. This so, is how art can, can yeah. like ask questions and have conversations. Art. And that's art's responsibility. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, it's cool see, when I've that never happens. thought of the Trek world being as artistic and as current. Uh, as I, as I now think about it. So, and I love it that what you're doing with this, like you're saying, it's a hobby, but it's, it's a meaningful one too. Because, Thanks man. Yeah. Uh, from a guy that watches a lot of sports center and comedies and other things. Yeah, sports can be about. meaningful too, dude. Well, they are because you're, there's something about going into battle and the whole sports game is changing now because you know, the NIL deal, which these amateur athletes in college, they should have been getting paid. Somebody buys their Jersey with their name on it, not to receive a paycheck or you're on a Wheaties box. And yeah. You don't get any you get, you get a cut of that. <laughs> but now it's going, uh, when dad played at Alabama back in the seventies, he was talking about, you know, you would play for your mama, your girlfriend, God, and your country. I mean, you know, you were out there, if you mm. played for Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee, you were probably from somewhere regionally. And it meant a lot to put on the crimson or orange or whatever, you know, color you were donning. Uh, it's a little different. Well, I, was, now. I was watching a football game, um, yesterday with Robbie Hecht, who we both know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said something interesting about it. He was like, yeah, it's there's kind of like a military aspect to it. It absolutely is, but because that's it's changing like, now. Because it's, well, I mean, if you just think about the game, because it's like everybody has a different role very and a tactical. different job. It's very tactical. It's about strategy. It's about like, Which I say know. a lot uh, about what I do and, and mentioning these pieces, even the Ari Gold thing I was talking about. I was, I was an offensive lineman. Dad was an offensive lineman. In the offensive lineman, you don't get a lot of glory, but your job is to move the ball. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, you know, it's kind of a great fit for me in, in Nashville. I don't need a lot of accolades or attention, but it means a lot for me to help You're other moving artists the ball, move man. the ball. You're and, moving the ball. And, and there's a lot of X's and O's, and there's, you know, a lot of other things that factor into the entertainment business. But I see you more you as, know. like, a coach. 
Yeah, hell yeah. That's, that's what I, I see you as like. I mean, because even the name that you pick for yourself is like Papa. Like, it you is. see yourself in a parental kind of role. Like, you're here to help people grow. And you're is. here to like move, move you that along. That. You, know? you know, and I appreciate that's you saying that. your role on the team. I tell people it's not, pa- uh, it, you know, it's not Papa Reigns because I'm only a sexual deviant, right? And people hear Papa <laughs> and they're going like, I can't call you that. Well, if you can't call me Papa, come on. Nobody said call me Daddy. That's fine too. I will but, say, uh, like as a woman, it is a little weird to call another man. People Papa. go, my grand. That was my grandfather's name. Yeah, well, I'm the younger version. Of him. I'm somewhere between Gramps and OG. I don't know come if on. I can really get used to it, but um, I'll, I'll try because like I appreciate you. But you like, know, it's a character, and <laughs> so it. the I character has a lot of love, and and you know, I'm probably uh, more paternal than I realize. And when I, if, I think you, you are. Know, I yeah. build genuine friendships with people and try to move the ball. And uh, and you get a lot of that in return, you yeah. know. And, and uh, that's a beautiful a lot thing. Of, a lot of awesome, awesome times in Nashville, you know, between charity shows where you where you look up and the whole room's filled with toys that people brought. I mean, so many Aww. that you had to have several truckloads delivered, or you know, you do well, a canned speaking food of your your work with like nonprofit stuff. Um, I always ask at the end of this, um, like where we can find you on the internet, or like sure. what kind of new projects you have going on. Is there anything you want to like shout out? I'm really looking forward to 2023 and getting um, back into this creative basket, uh, making sense, you know, because I love as a creator, you know, you're probably the same way when you're writing a song, you're kind of already thinking about the visual storyboard of the video. Um, it's really interesting, the process now that artists get to write a song, then release a video and, and make content. Uh, I don't love it that the labels are requiring TikTok to be the ultimate end all be all for who could have a fan or not, but I understand it's instant access to a lot of people. And when you're trying to sell something, that's Are you, is, are you doing important. TikTok? What are you I'm doing? not on it right now, and we can get into uh, other conspiracy theories about why that I'm not on it. But uh, China. My boy Charlie Argo said, yeah. <laughs> Wuhan. <laughs> uh, Charlie Argo the other day said, I said, how's your TikTok going? And he goes, better than yours since you don't have one. <laughs> go, okay, well, let's, let's, you're let's, right. let's bring it back, though. Like, What yeah. are your projects that you're so, working on? You know, I would, I'm really excited about releasing some new music. I think the fusion music that we're on to makes a lot of sense. Uh, you can find that on Papa Range on Spotify or iTunes. That's R-A-I-N-E-S. That's right. Like the weather with an E-S at the end. So R-A-I-N-E-S. you're like at, at Papa Rains on, on Instagram. On Instagram. That's right. I do a lot of work off of Instagram. Uh, keep that DM box professional. You know, a lot of inquiries on uh, when can we play and, uh, you know, what is your new year looking like? What venues are going in? I'm excited about uh, relationships with with past venues. It's so cool to get a call from uh, somebody you've worked with a hundred times, but maybe not recently, and they give you a call and go, "Hey, we need you on Halloween night or New Year's That's Eve, great. or we got a big show coming. We MC it," and you feel like you're really getting a call that, that means well, a lot. Well, speaking of your your work, um, you know, at the end of this episode, we always ask like the artists to you know pick a song both that kind of like pairs with the episode, kind of like a wine with your meal. Right. But then also pick something from your catalog or something that you worked on creatively sure. that we can add to our playlist. Like, do you have, do you have a song in mind? So, uh, the dissimulation machine. Disintegration. Disintegration machine. machine. <laughs> Every time you say something a little know, different, it's really I'm funny. Just we'll make up words, Grace. It's great. <laughs> disintegration machine. Mm-hmm. They said you had 24 hours to report. I was thinking about, I loved early 90s hip-hop. Yeah, dude. I had an artist named Mace, who was one of my favorites. He was in the uh, the bad boy realm with, of course, Biggie and Puff. And they were kind of creating this whole new sound. And 
turned into the East Coast, West Coast thing, which got a little dramatic, obviously. But they were really on to something. And Mace had a song called 24 Hours to Live. Nice. And Perfect. you go, what would you do? Where would you go? Who would you screw? I mean, you know, you just got to go through your playbook. Uh, I'd get a bucket of fried chicken and say, f*** it. I mean, you know, he's got every it's, it's a song full of, like, one-liners about... What would you really do if if somebody yeah. said you got to go get into this machine in 24 hours because we fight a clean war now and you you lost the yeah. Powerball you didn't win the Powerball right, you, lost. you lost it so Davidson County now has to just all go you know the only thing that wouldn't work there's too many disruptors in society I mean half the people would go over there and get gas the other half would be going uh uh-uh, uh we ain't I'm doing here. It. yeah which makes society interesting now that we live in you know. People are woke and people are fighting for something, even if it's something that, that doesn't see fit. So I, I kind of want to use that one. It's a little I think it's school. great. I love that. It's it kinda, awesome. You know, if you can kind of listen to it from a point of where they were kind of creating this genre of uh, of hip-hop, which wasn't really even quite a genre yet. I mean, yeah, you know, it was about 10 cool. years young at that point in the early 90s. Uh, so Manitators. I was thinking about that because yeah. I always think about when you when things get tough. Going, if you had twenty four hours to live, kind of like when people think about if that plane's going down and you got about right. a minute, you right? Know, you Who do you a call? Couple phone calls. You got. Yeah. Who do you I, text? Can I get one more Jack and Coke out of the bag? Right. Can I make right. a last speech? Okay, thank you. Kiss that lady sitting next to you. Oh, you know, well, like you know, I didn't want to say it, but great, that, <laughs> you get it. Yeah, a couple rows back, I've had my eye on since I was in boarding. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to put that one there, and then you know. Um, Good at that one thing is interesting uh, from from a song that I collaborated with myself, Wes Crit, who we've given a couple shout outs to now, uh, Old Trey and producer Darcy. All right. Because it means a lot of different things to me and, and people hear it. Uh, and it, I love speaking in metaphors. I love it that every lyric you write should mean at least two things. <laughs> so yeah. there's a very surface value to some of my music where you go, okay, you want this stuff playing in clubs and right. you want to write some bangers or you, you know, you want to write something sentimental, but what else does it mean? Right. And I feel like as artists, people get to really know us better through our music if you listen a little bit or if you kind of have a creative mind. Uh, so I'll kind of I'll put those two out there. Um, cool. And I'm I'm looking forward to doing uh, a big meaningful shows in the new year. I'm looking forward to, yeah. to new friendships and, and creative, talented people like yourself getting to know better. And, well, I'm gonna tell you my my pick real quick before we uh, close out here. I because I'm also gonna add one to the playlist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You get so you get two as well or one? Just one. Come on. Let's do double down. Nah, just one. Because okay. like they, they can heard, we do one of yours though, no, Grace? One of yours. My music. They've heard my music. This isn't about me. This, what about a new one? The whole point of this whole like podcast. Is it's like not about me. That's like what I like about it. Okay. Um, but that's what I like about <laughs> your podcast. <laughs> you Trudeau, really know how to make it about Star Trek. Yeah, and other people. And um, other people. <laughs> yeah, but I do. So I will. Well, I guess this is a little bit about me. Actually, come to think of it, there we go. There we go. There uh, all right. We so go. Ruthie Foster is one of my favorite artists of all time. Okay. She just dropped a new record. Okay. It's called Healing Time. And I have nice. not one, not two, but three co-writes with her on that album. Oh, wow. So I'm very, very, very proud of that. Um, but this is a song from a previous record of hers called Joy Comes Back, which I also had a couple co-writes on. Or actually, those are just uh, cuts. Like, she just covered a couple of my songs. So cool. Um, yeah, pretty much the coolest thing ever on the planet. But there's a song from that record. It's her cover of uh, War Pigs. Oh, <laughs> And she plays a slide, like, blues guitar. I can't wait to hear it. And it is just the coolest thing you've ever heard. And the video is really cool, too. She's just, like, sitting on a porch and just playing it. So, um, perfect. Yeah, I just feel like it's a great song. I'm pretty sure I haven't put it on the playlist yet. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's kind of the perfect song. It's about, you know, the powers that be like starting these wars for fun, you know, and making war just for fun, you know, like it's just, just good. All the lyrics. Anyway, so go and Google that. That's cool. Uh, Ruthie Foster's cover of War Pigs. And that'll be my song. Is there? Do you have any final? Well, I don't know thoughts? if we've you know like accomplished any of the enterprise or, or world uh, missions, but I certainly feel like we got to know each other better, and I really appreciate yeah. you uh, giving me a chance to kind of get my message across to audience. And if you're moving to Nashville or in Nashville, look me up. Look up Papa uh, Reigns. Love yeah. showing people around. Love showing people the the kind of authentic side of Nashville. That Thank you for showing me around Nashville. I feel like uh, it's been great knowing you. It's I'm yeah. really glad we connected and. Uh, I feel like we have like a surprising mountain common. We always seem For to sure. have fun. For sure. So, um, yeah, I just really appreciate sure. you taking the time and coming on the show. And I hope things get a little bit easier for everybody. Well, you know, Mama used to say, more shall be revealed. And I always mm. think about that because there's, there's always more that, you know, as soon as you can wrap your head around it or really think you know what's going on, you don't got to Then you don't know so, anything. <laughs> you know, we, we stay hungry. We stay barbarians. Uh, That's right. We're all just a bag of bones walking around with, you know, realizing what our mortality is. But mm-hmm. how much good can you do while you're here and, and everybody continuing to find their purpose? So Love it. I hope that the, the Trekkies that. and the Troubadours uh, continue to support my new friend, Grace Pettis. And uh, no going into the machine. Don't do it. You know, right. We watched uh, Billy stand up in front of him. Spock rescued him. That's they had right. a little bromance moment there. Nichelle was waiting on him. That's right. You know, they had some galactic punch. That's what it's all about. And we won episode uh, Armageddon. Was it 24? The first season? <laughs> I think we're on episode 23, I believe. Yeah, episode 23. So so, Taste of Armageddon. Taste of Armageddon. So the boys won, and they didn't go into the machine. <laughs> That's right. Nobody and, uh, went in the machine. And you, and you and I are not in the machine. Not yet. Here we are. And we, and, uh, I can say that I've, I've done a podcast with an awesome person on Star Trek. Who there you go. Like yeah. I can't wait to hear the song. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Hey, cheers. Go Cracker Barrel. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another strange new episode of Troubadours on Trek. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever listening platform you use and head on over to patreon.com slash Grace Pettis to join the crew. This is your host, Grace Pettis, giving her all she's got, beaming out. See you at the next Shore Leave.